Hey, this is Jeremy McCrory, and this is the Run for Jesus podcast, a ministry podcast that will help you run the race of faith in your Christian life like never before.
We'll go ahead and get moving and shaking this evening. Uh, thank y'all for being here this evening. I want to give you a few announcements as we get going. Uh, Sunday morning, this week, we will be uh, with the D-Now crew coming in, and they're going to have a keynote speaker that they've had the weekend coming up, so they will lead with us on Sunday morning, and so we'll be here to support them. And Sunday evening, we'll continue in our prayer reboot series. Part of Sunday evening also is our business meeting which is the budgets are out on the table in the foyers in the front and side here. If you haven't got a copy, they'll vote on that proposed budget for next year. Um, then uh, just a reminder, Sunday evenings at 5 starts discipleship and 6 o'clock is worship. D-Now weekend is this weekend. And then Senior Adult Luncheon is on the 18th at 11. Is there a theme this month? Anybody know? A theme for what? Theme. Uh, not no, 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 no. Uh, women's conference at Meadowview is on the 20th. It's $25. Supper at 530. You can register by going to NBC, NBCSstark.com or calling that number, which is their church office. And then Fifth Sunday singing we'll have coming up on the fifth Sunday, January 29th at 5. And we'll meet at Sturgis. So I think that takes care of most of those. Well, this evening we're going we're gonna to click into a series on the uh, seven churches in Revelation, starting in Revelation chapter 2. So here are some questions that I want you to look at as we go through. There's a short video, and then we are going to kind of walk through these questions a little bit, okay? So the first one here is, what is the importance of Ephesus? The second one is, what was the Roman road's significance? Um, why was Ephesus chosen as Paul's home base? And the fourth, three things to remember about Ephesus. And number five, the harbor. How far have you fallen? So, so there's, there's some prompting questions if you want to write those in and kind of look at those as we go. We'll come back to those questions when it's over with. But like I said, it's about, you know, six, eight minutes long. Uh, it's out of a church in uh, Rochester, New York, and uh, they have actually went to the lands where 
these things happen. So I thought it was really good. Right now, media produces this. So um, so you wanted to check that out and look at that. So uh, about 45 seconds and we'll get going for everybody who's trying to catch up with a question. It'll be up afterwards, too. So don't don't go breakneck speed. So uh, so we'll get there in just a second. So but um, tonight we'll be looking at Ephesus and then we'll be moving through the other six churches as we look at all of these and their importance. So. Give you a few more minutes. Churches all over the Mediterranean. 
Ephesus played a large role in impacting the whole region. Paul, once the pastor of the church of Ephesus, made an extraordinary impact in this region. We read about this in Acts 19.10, which says, All the Jews and the Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. So it was out of this amazing city that the good news of the gospel spread throughout all of Asia Minor. There are a few very important pieces of background information that help us understand Jesus' message to the Christians at Ephesus. First, in a cultured and sophisticated city like Ephesus, the accumulation of knowledge was very important. Like many urban centers today, this metropolis was full of people who were learning and contributing to the depth of human knowledge in various disciplines like medicine and philosophy. There are even a medical school here. And this valuing of education is illustrated by the presence of the Library of Celsus. This ancient library housed 12,000 volumes, and it's a testament to this city's commitment to intellectual growth and to learning. Obviously, the Christians in this city were part of this culture. So it's reasonable to assume that this church was comprised of some people who were well-read and intellectually capable. But their knowledge of the world didn't stop with their jobs or just curiosity about science. They valued wisdom and insight in their theological beliefs as well. In fact, Jesus even praises their ability to test and to discern the content of false teachers and to label that teaching as incorrect. They were able to, through intellectual nuance and theological sophistication, stand up against false teaching. They knew the truth. Their minds were full of correct content. So it's interesting that in his letter to them, Jesus corrects them and calls them to repent. They had worked to know truth, but something had changed over the years. They had all this knowledge, but they weren't living out a joyful, vibrant, love-filled life in Christ. What changed? What did they need to get back on track? The second key part of life here has to do with the idolatry throughout all the city. Not unlike the world we live in today, Ephesus was a place where people were far from the truth in their beliefs. The Christians here remained faithful in their beliefs, but that was no small task. One great example of this false worship is found at the remains of the Temple of Artemis, the goddess of fertility. This temple was an integral part of Ephesian society and culture. In this era, temples were built as tourist attractions designed to bring travelers in who would be impressed by the incredible structure of the building and be convinced of the greatness of that deity. The temple of Artemis was not just locally impressive. Today, it's considered to be one of the seven ancient wonders in the entire world. It was also known all over the Roman world as one of the single most magnificent buildings ever constructed. Clearly, the worship of Artemis was a huge part of everyday life in Ephesus. So much, in fact, that when the influence of Christianity began to spread through Paul's work in the city, people stopped worshiping Artemis. It caught the attention of the whole city. The book of Acts describes one incident in which local silversmiths, who operated a powerful trade union and made their living by making idols and relics for Artemis worship, they were losing business as people turned to Christ. So they protested Paul's work and Christianity spread by starting a riot. Acts 19, 28, and 29 says, When they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, 
great is Artemis of Ephesians. Soon the whole city was in an uproar. All the people rushed into the theater together. In the lecture hall of Tyrannius, thousands of people gathered and were chanting together about the glory and the greatness of their goddess, Artemis. Worshiping Artemis was not just a side project for a few religious Ephesians. It was assumed the standard for everyone who lived here. To not do so was obviously and offensively countercultural. So this is the culture in which the Christians at Ephesus were called to live out their faith. They were surrounded by a tide of false teaching, and yet somehow this church refused to embrace it. The final piece of background has to do with the local trash heap. Not exactly a lovely place. However, it was here that Christians in Ephesus originally developed a reputation for loving God and loving others. Often, if a family in Ephesus had a child that was not wanted, they would bring them here and leave them to die of exposure. Maybe they were severely handicapped, or maybe the mother gave birth to a daughter when the father wanted a son. This was openly accepted and practiced right here in Ephesus. But the Christians, out of a heart of love and adoption, took these abandoned children in and raised them. Likely, this is why the Ephesian church was so influential for a long time. No one could argue with this type of sacrificial love. However, over time, that practice began to fade. What could have caused them to turn from this practical extension of God's love to the world around them? Jesus addressed this reality and more in this letter to these ancient believers. A letter which speaks exactly to their specific needs, but also reaches through time with a piercing and relevant message that strikes the heart of our own fallings and struggles to our church. Seems to me that the practice stopped because the Christians here in Ephesus began to substitute faith and love with knowledge and wisdom. They had all the knowledge, but this is the piece that was missing. They knew a lot, but they didn't love others anymore. You see, knowledge and belief is never a substitute for love. This is why Jesus calls them to repent. They were to be lights in a world, and yet their faith had grown stale and inward focused. It's here that Jesus says, you started so well with compassion for others and the desire to help others know me. Where has that gone? So what about you? Have you replaced love for knowledge? Maybe you know all the right answers to all the hard questions, but you've forgotten that people matter more. That's exactly what happened to the Christians in Ephesus in this forgetful church. So, what, do you, what was the importance of Ephesus as we looked at it there? What was the importance? There were a lot of things that were important about Ephesus. The Ephesian church started out of there. Paul started his journeys out of there. He set that church in order. Uh, there was a lot of different cultural things going on. There were a lot of similarities in what uh, John was writing from Patmos as he wrote the letter. There's so many different similarities in that and how we could be a forgetful church as well. But what he was writing towards and what he was doing through Ephesus was what? He was reaching the church. It all started. It all kind of went out from there. It was all the base of things. So Ephesus was very much important, not only as a port city, not only as one who had a trade route that brought things through there, the Roman road. 
you know, and it was it was very much influential on the spread of Christianity. And so if a church forgets its first love or forgets what it's about, it has an impact, right? It has an impact that kind of falls and keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. Um, and so you see that that they were there two years, took place two years. So all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So let's look at the second question. What was the Roman road significance? What was the Akkadian way as they as they called it? What was the significance of that? What do y'all what y'all hear from the video that was significant in that way? Some of y'all forgot the rest of the video, but that's okay. They heard the gospel. Trade route. A lot of things and a lot of people went through that. You know, I, I think about trade routes and I think about things like in the city of New Orleans, there's the maritime ministries. And in the maritime ministries, there's many different ships that come into port and dock there. There's ministers and those who go out through there uh, that just bring the gospel to the men and women that serve on those ships. And those ships sail all over the world. It influences a lot of culture. When they tell one about Christ, it goes farther and farther, right? So whenever these trade routes happened, whenever these things occurred, it continued through. And so Ephesus was very important. As you see, number three, Ephesus was very important at, as Paul's home base. Strategically, it was that hub of commerce and transportation. So he based his church there and it went out. So what were the three things they talked about in the video to remember about Ephesus? Here are the three things in case you missed those as they were talking about them. Now, they were talking about first and foremost, they were talking about the importance of knowledge, the importance of knowledge. In our time today, we are inundated with so much knowledge. Now, it doesn't mean that that knowledge is actually factual, true, real, validated, substantiated, proven, all those things, right? So they had so much intellectual knowledge, didn't they? They had that huge library. They had all of those books of people, and the church itself was comprised of intellectual people and people, blue-collar people in my mind. You know, just all kinds of folks were in there. But you can imagine the society of people that were well-learned and well-versed. So there was an importance placed in Ephesus on knowledge. But there was a biblical call in all of that. And it was a call to repent. A call to repent because the Ephesians, the Ephesian Christians began to trust more in knowledge than they did in the word of God, in God's creation and loving others. There's there's great things that the word of God says, but he says, what's the most important thing? There's there's faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is what? Love. So if you forget to love others, if you forget to care for your brother and sister, if you forget to minister to the least of these, then you've forgotten what you should be about. So repentance gets us in right order, gets our heart cleaned in right order to be right before God. So not only is it an importance of knowledge, the first of three things and a call to repent is what I put. But secondly, it's the prevalence of idolatry. They were worshiping all kind of idols of all different kinds. The tradesmen and the, the people who were building these. This was a great idea of commerce that came through there. They were making all kinds of money. It was going through the land. They were worshiping these things. 
They were worshiping Artemis was one of the big names that they shared there. And, and it was very influential to come into these big giant places that have these big stone columns and this ornate artwork. And this, it was just so much into this that they surrounded themselves with. But what happened was, is they stopped worshiping Artemis and they started turning to Christ. So if you can imagine you're a tradesman who's making all kinds of money or you're somebody that's influential and just wants to point people to worshiping the gods or deities in that way, then that's going to be something that kind of turns over your, your mind and heart and you're going to stand against that because it changes the way people see everything and view everything. So they stopped worshiping in that big place of worship to Artemis and they started worshiping God and God alone. And that begun to change that whole area. So the importance of knowledge, the prevalence of idolatry, and the third thing to remember that was shared in the video was this, the local trash heap. Now you and I have, have heard over the span of time multiple different countries that would do this. There's, there's the prevalence in many Asian countries to which they want a male to continue on their bloodline, so they will throw out these these places. There's been many different churches and buildings and hospitals that have created these what they call a door there if you do not want that child. So what was happening during that time in, in, in Ephesus was that they were throwing these unwanted children out and then the Christian believers were doing what? They were going in and rescuing them from this trash heap. And so there were so many different people that saw their love, their faith, their belief, not only just what they said, but in action of what they were doing. They were loving in action. So not only is love a feeling, but love is an action. I believe we love and that's what we become known for. So wait, what did they do for these kids? They, they took and raised them. They, they were there for them. In fact, it was called sacrificial love. How many of us know what sacrificial love is all about? Jesus gave of himself and gave himself for us. <laughs> sacrifice once and for all. The Old Testament, taking it all the way back there, they used to sacrifice animal offerings, animal sacrifices to have that, that right standing with God to get the sin and separate it. Oftentimes it was a lamb or two lambs. They would, they would slaughter one of them and send one out considering the whole remission of sins. So there was that sacrificial love. They were giving of their own life for a kid that didn't have anybody that was thrown away, and they loved them. What began to happen over time that this is recognizing is that it, that practice faded over time, right? They started focusing in on themselves. They started looking at, at other things, right? They started looking at what everybody else was doing, the worship of Artemis, the worship in the culture, the trade route, the making of money, all of those things, the going to church and being a physical building and a people that needed a building, but not being a people that is the church of God and loves others. So that practice, faith and love was beginning to be traded for knowledge and wisdom. And it's, it's that stale and inward focus that got them off the path that God was wanting them to do. Now, in the, in the video, it talked about the harbor. Now, the harbor was one of those that, that sent out trade boats, sent out the things to, you know, that, that continued to get all of those things they were building and all those things they were trading out. They would dredge the harbor. 
And oftentimes, over time, because of this practice and because of things, everything became more inland. And so the harbor illustrated to them that their hearts and minds had moved from what was the mission. They had begun drifting in faith and needed to get back to the Savior. So we see John on the island of Patmos. And John on this island begins to address this. Where is John on this island? Is he free to walk around or is he locked up somewhere? Right. He's in Patmos, which is, he's locked up, right? So God revealing himself, getting these letters out to these churches so that they hear what God has spoken to them, what the Lord's leading for them to do, what he is warning them of, that they have forgotten their love. So God told him to write this. Revelation one twenty says this, it says, As for the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. I want us to really understand that because a lot of times the book of Revelation shows different images or different characters to represent things. So again, those are this. The seven stars are the, are the angels of the seven churches. Ephesus, the one we're looking at tonight. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So the angels of the seven churches and the seven churches. So uh, I don't want you to get lost in the weeds because sometimes that happens in the book of Revelation. So let's look at what the book of Revelation says in Revelation chapter 2. In Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, and the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this. It says, I know your deeds, and your toil, and your perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles. And they are not, and you have found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds which you did at first, or else I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent." So there's a call to repent, right? There's a, there's a call to remember the first love. There's a call to do the things that they formerly did. Unless you repent, I'm going to come and bring judgment in that way. And so it says, yet, this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the life of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And so it's, it's, it's a key importance here that all of that is going on, that he is guiding them in that way. And so it's important that we had all that information that they shared in the video before we got to the verses because it illuminated the information that was there in the verses. But here's some questions I want to follow us up with as we, as we kind of wrap up our Bible study. What statements in this passage are still relevant to Christians in America today? Is there not just a great warning for us that we have forgotten our first love, that we have replaced a lot of things 
that are of God with things that are in culture that we've worshipped and placed things, idols, before God. And that God is calling us to remember what we were created for. Sometimes we need that reminder in our world, don't we? Sometimes we need to know that as people of God, we have great power and influence. But only by the God above that we have that. And we understand that Jesus will come again. The book of Revelation states that fact that he is coming again. To be ready, to be prepared for all of those things. And so 1 Corinthians 13 speaks of this very thing. It speaks of how we need to be more intentional. So in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1 it says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. How many of you have ever seen people that just are putting a lot of information out there, but are not really saying anything? A lot of times you'll come and you'll say, Brother Jeremy, did you hear about this? And I'm like, what? Okay, we have to understand there's a lot of people who just put information out there. But is it of God? Is it biblical? Is it right? And it says, verse 2, it says, If I have the gift of prophecy and know all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. It was zeroing in again on love, right? I have nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but I do not have love, it profits me nothing. Why do you think Paul was talking so much about love and not just doing good things? Now, this isn't one of those things where he's talking about the the love like friends love one another. This was the sacrificial love of God. There's a greater depth to that, right? Because the love of God looks past the wrongs of mankind and loves them like Jesus loved us, right? It, it, it means putting aside our own needs and wants and looking to others' needs before our own. This sacrificial love was, was what he was calling for. Because I think we can look in the media and look everywhere else and see a lot of people doing good things. Y'all, there's a lot of folks doing good things. But what are they doing it for? The people in Ephesus were saving these kids... Because Christ's love was in them and they saw the need and they met that need. But over time, they withdrew and they started just getting involved in what was easiest or or started going to the church or just started focusing on themselves. And that's a warning for us all that we can do those very same things. We are to have that sacrificial love. In the video, the young man Drew said that we can do all of the right things, but miss the important things. How often is that true for you and me? We can do all good things and there's nothing wrong with them. But but we get into the point, are we doing what he has called us to do? Are we keeping the main important thing, the main important thing? So here's some questions. What what are you doing in your life? What are some things that are going on in your life that might be distracting you from loving God? Because I think that's where we mess up. If we're not loving God as we ought to love God, then we're certainly not going to love others like we should, right? If our heart's not right-tuned to God, then we're not going to love other people. So we have essentially gotten out of order how we ought to be as believers in Christ. What's distracting you What's distracting us from loving God as we ought to? 
And so many of us come from different places, have different jobs and occupations and things that we do throughout the week, places we go. What's keeping us? What's distracting us? What's getting us to be forgetful about what should be our first love? And what's one thing that you can do, that I can do this week, to rekindle that love for God? Now there's a very good warning in here, that if you don't, right? What happens if you don't? Remember where you've fallen and repent, do the deeds you did at first, or else I'm coming. Who's coming? Jesus is coming, right? That's an undeniable fact that the book of Revelations is built upon. He's coming back, and with him comes judgment, but also salvation. So I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. I'm coming. The reality of his coming is nearer than ever before. I think we see things throughout the world. So the book of Revelations chapter 2, verse 1 through 7, the church at Ephesus, as we looked at tonight, calls us to make the changes that we need to make that we ought to love God more than we do in order that we might love others. But we've got to love God that much first, right? And then we've got to love others just that same way. The church in Ephesus lost that mindset. They just started being like the culture. They started accepting things. They started just going to church as in some kind of thing that they did. Instead, they forgot the sacrifice that placed them there. They forgot what they could do to make change happen in the name of the Lord. And their influence dwindled over time. I don't want us to get into that mode where our influence continues to dwindle. And you might say, well, what can I do I'm in a small area, Sturgis. I'm here, you know, I may be in Starkville. I may be all around. What can I do? But if you're just one person, you can do a lot of stuff. Because I tell you, we see all kinds of people from all over the world, whether we ever know it or not. If you go in and get your groceries in Starkville, you will see people that go to the college from all over the world. That you have an opportunity to tell the name of Christ to and they go back. And guess where Christ goes? He goes with them, right? We have opportunities when we're, you know, with our friends and with our families that they have a different group that they go with when they're not with us and we have an opportunity to get the gospel out. It, it matters that we tell the story, the good news of Jesus Christ, that we continue to keep that first love and the main thing, the main thing. And it's important that we take what Ephesus is being told here and remember it ourselves. Because... As he was talking to the church in Ephesus, it could have very well been written to a lot of us today. How we've gotten things out of order. So let's pray, y'all. Father God, we come this day, God, we thank you for the measure of understanding and the ability to even see some of the land that you're talking about here in Scripture. Father God, you have made a way for all of us who are seeking to find hope in a hopeless world. Father God, through Jesus Christ, you gave your life for us, dying on a cross sacrificially that we might live again in you. Father God, you rose on that third day and you showed us that there's more to this life than just living and getting by. Father, we are to love others and love them deeply, not for our own sake, but for your kingdom's sake. So God, I pray as we think about this sacrificial love, as we think about anything that might be in our way that we place before you, any kind of idol, any kind of thing that just takes up more of our attention than it needs to be, God. 
God, I pray that we're willing even today to set that aside, to throw that out, to just have more of you and less of us, God. God, I pray that we all remember our first love and God, that we all come back to it. Father God, I thank you for where you forgive us, forgive me, where I've fallen short of the very mark that you set before us. And God, help us to remember the words of Paul, the writings of John, the church of Ephesus, and remember the warning that it has to us even today. Father, it's in your great name we do pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Run for Jesus podcast with Jeremy McCrory. Tune in next time for more relevant sermons and ministry helps to help you run the race of faith in your Christian life like never before.